Calgary Next with Tara McCool and David Wallach is brought to you in part by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the choice for the world's best entrepreneurs, embracing technology to solve some of the greatest challenges. Good morning. Driving around Calgary, we see a lot of new building projects. Chances are Ian McCorkendale has his hand in one of those projects. Ian is a partner and director with M3 Development. And he's here with us to fill us on the commercial market in Calgary and how M3 Development helps with project developments all over the city. Good morning, Ian. Good morning, David. Good morning, Tara. Good morning. How are you, Tara? Well, thank you. You, I'm so looking forward to hearing a Scottish accent throughout this entire interview. Yeah, we'll have yeah. <laughs> people translate the background because nobody can understand him only after he has a few, you know. Well, you told me after other people have a few scotches. We yeah. better get to Ian here. So, um, hello, Ian. Hello. And why don't you tell us a little bit about, just to get things started, provide some context for people, what exactly M3 does? We do development management, uh, which is turnkey services, really taking anything from a vision, a concept, an idea, all the way through to completion of construction projects. And we do a variety of different asset classes, very hands-on, and inevitably we become extensions of owners uh, that we work for. We've got about $1.1 billion of projects under active management at the moment, and uh, we're largely based in Alberta, uh, but we're moving into BC. Ian, uh, you know, we can't uh, discuss real estate without talking about what's going on with Calgary. And um, I know the media loves to talk about downtown office because that's where the problem is. Um, and we heard that the city, the uh, council, has come up with an idea to, I would say, dedicate some money into changing somehow uh, downtown. What can you elaborate on, on that project or on that kind of direction that City Council is trying to move us? Yeah, I think the, the, the program and the sort of office to residential conversion program, we're, we're actually working in home space, which is Sierra Place. So that's first of its kind project. It's under construction right now. But the concept is to invest in the downtown. And we've, we've had generations of building. C-class product, B-class product, essentially empty as the flight to quality happened in the last 10 years. And those buildings are functionally and economically obsolete. So the investment program is targeted to do that. By all accounts, it's had successful traction in applications alone. They're actually, I think they're oversubscribed at the moment. So it'll be interesting and exciting to see how that unfolds. But we have to do something. I mean, standing stills for statues, and we've got some big challenges when we get to convert them into opportunities. A few years ago, you were leading a, a committee that was looking at the conversion, whether it's feasible or not, because most of our old buildings were built for oil and gas, you know, squares, stuck as many engineers as you can on that floor. And if I remember correct, one of you didn't come up with a positive look on that conversion. So how does it work now that you said that there's one already in process? Yeah, they're very challenging. I worked, uh, when I was based in Toronto, I worked in one in Hamilton, one in Oshawa, and one in Toronto. And, and somebody that I know calls them uh, purple-colored unicorns. They're very, very rare. They're uh, exceptionally challenging to do at a technical level. And you almost have to be in a position where you're forced to do it. 
And there's a lot of different components that have to drive uh, towards these projects being viable. So if you go back three years, that's why these were very challenged. And that's why, frankly, there's only been one done in Calgary since then. And it's called the Cube Project. And it's actually not downtown. It's in the Beltline. But the incentive program is to give relief to owners on their land value to bridge that economic challenge and make it more viable. And that's what the, the program that's been uh, led by uh, Resac and CED and working with the city and ultimately released. And the applications came back, I believe, in September 19th. And it looks pretty positive so far. But that's only one part of it. Next year, they're going to broaden the different uh, potential asset classes for replacement and regeneration, not just to, to office, but think of other uses as well. So it's pretty exciting. It's a 10-year plan, uh, but we have to do something. And it's it's got a solid ROI uh, on it. And if you look at trying to create that core and cluster and move away from the plates that you talked about, largely built around the energy sector, this is a logical step. And, uh, and I think there's been a lot of great work done by the, the folks at the city and also in our industry as well. So how do things change in terms of building um, when you've got this stay-at-home hybrid work atmosphere? How's that changing what you do? It's very dynamic and it's still in flux and I think it's still to be determined. I think we're still a couple of years away from coming out of this thing in, in absolute terms. I think ultimately, if I look at our own team as an example, even through COVID, you know, we, we started with 13 uh, getting into COVID, we're up to 15 and we're going to be 16 in two weeks. And seven to eight of them were steady, want to be in the office, want to be around each other because we're big collaborators. And most organizations we work with uh, feel that way where they want to be in physical uh, presence each other because there's so many intangibles happen. You know, when you're walking past people and you hear conversations, mm-hmm. the, the, the work from home platform and the virtual platform was a necessary band-aid at the time because of COVID. But to, to me, long-term, there's too many challenges with it. And a lot of people are taught to get burnt out sitting looking at screens all the day. So I think we're I think we're going to move back to a different world, but I think it will be still based on, on human beings being social creatures and wanting to be around each other. And that's certainly what we do as an organization. Our guest today is Ian McCorkendale, partner and director with M3 Development. Ian, um, we talked about downtown, and you mentioned that uh, M3 has now 1.1 billion under yes. different stages of development. So, is Calgary future bright? I think it is. Actually, I've been here since 2006, and I actually believe our, our best years are ahead of us. If you go back, to, that's so nice to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I do, and you know, I've raised my family here, and you know, our, our oldest son just graduated from high school last week. It's just a phenomenal place on every every level. But if you if you look at um, the the challenges that we get in in the last energy super cycle, you know, oh five to oh seven, we had a value pool model where the commodity was lifting things up so much we're just throwing everything in the kitchen sink at it. Since Q4 2014, we've had a cost push model. So the commodities came down and made it, made a lot of companies super, super efficient. So we, we have uh, WCS today about 63, 64 bucks a barrel, which is phenomenal. And now their production, whether it's SAG-D conventional, is probably 30 to 35. So it can move pretty dramatically. But I also think there's, there's a different feeling in the city at the moment. We're investing a lot more in our cultural 
components and amenities, and that's key to keeping people. I've actually got my niece out here from Quebec at the moment, and she's coming out here with you to stay. So I think we're going to see our best years ahead of it. If you also, to your point, David, about the future, if you look at building permit values over the last 10 years, we're already at July at what 2020 was, and we've still got six months to go. And there'll still be stuff happening in the fall. So I think we're going to take a pop on that front. And those are good directionally. The, the other thing I would add is most of the people I talk to day to day, and I talk to people across the country, I think Calgary is just starting to come into its time. I think we have a foundation and um, and we'll be building confidence. So we have just over a minute before we need to take a break here, but um, just expanding on that cultural piece, you know, you talk about the sports centers, but where else do you see us investing in terms of the culture of the city and, and what does that add? How does that help us? I think there's a lot of money getting into the arts. So Glenbow is one of our projects. We've been on it since April 2020. Phenomenal group. It's going to be a phenomenal uh, project. And if you look at Arts Commons as an example, that's another another piece. So we're having these critical pieces of infrastructure that are placed in our within our core. And I think that just leads to a lot more vibrancy. And the other thing that, that, that Calgary, it's not so obvious, but it's true, about a third of our uh, city is visible minorities and about a third are not from here. Uh, and I, I think it creates this amazing vibrancy that's all around you too. But, but you know, and I, and I live in Toronto and they would always talk very cosmopolitan, but here it's authentic and it's true and it's here. And I think that's the uh, grassroots that we've got going. And, I, and I, I do believe that's why our best days are ahead. And even David's from, you know, David's from Israel and, you know, we've got so many different people here from backgrounds and they all chose to be here. And that's why I'm very positive. And and Ian's partner, one is Irish and one is Canadian. So you have a Canadian, Irish and a Scot working in Calgary together. (laughs) Bringing the cultures together. All right. We are with Ian McCorkendale, director and partner at M3 Development. And we'll be right back after the commercial. Calgary Next with Tara McCool and David Wallach is sponsored in part by Canadian Western Bank. Obsessed with your success. It's time to partner with a bank that sees the world the same way you do. Visit cwbank.com. Calgary Next with Tara McCool and David Wallach is brought to you in part by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the choice for the world's best entrepreneurs. Embracing technology to solve some of the greatest challenges. We're back with Ian McCorkendale, director and partner of M3 Development. Ian, you mentioned earlier uh, in one of your answers uh, that your office, you like to collaborate and you uh, hate, uh, you know, the point that Calgary has a great environment and a great kind of city in terms of of art and, and community. I went on your website and I saw some things that like, I was happy to see, but not a lot of companies will use love on their website or not a lot of uh, consultants will say that they like to listen. Usually they like to say, (laughs) talk about your inner office culture and how you guys keep it as you grow because you are going through growth right now. Yes, we are. We've been going through sustained growth for for five years now. Yeah, we we actually write some proposals, and that's in the cover letter. And one of the the, the love components, and it's it's very genuine. We work for a lot of groups that help others, so community groups like Home Space, YWCA, even Glenbow. When you look at what they do for education and and culture, 
Red Crow Community Centre. Uh, so these are groups that they're making generational projects to make a difference. So that's that's how we feel. And, and if you went through our office and asked our people, they're very, very passionate about what they do. And I've always been a believer that uh, having a team that has passion, you have to do that to perform and execute. You can't, this can't be just a job. This has to be your calling. This is this is what keeps people going, and, and that's what we do day to day. We are listeners because I think you have to listen first and talk later and to understand. And, and You're see. not in sales, right? Mm. <laughs> not, not, in, not in sales and I know with our history David I do more listening to you than talking <laughs> uh, so that's a good you, you know that firsthand. Uh, but, it, but it's true and we, we love to listen and try and understand our, our clients vision for projects and, and yet that's where you have to start point and, and all our people are just so passionate about what they do and they're exceptional what they do they have different backgrounds professionally but they have the same work ethic and they absolutely want to make a difference. And that's what M3 is all about. So just to get a little bit specific with your values, um, as you mentioned, listen. So listen freely and speak your mind is one of the values. So what about the speak your mind part, both internally and externally? How does that work into your values? Yeah, the, the next one is stand tall and follow through, which is very mm, important. And that's probably it. more of the Scottish origins coming through there. <laughs> Uh, growing up in Glasgow, but we we have to listen and to collaborate. You have to take the different perspectives, but we're in the business of telling uh, people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. And that's kind of tough in development because it's not an easy business. There's a lot of challenges. It's very dynamic and you start off a journey uh, and it can be a three-year journey and things change in 18 months. So part of those values is we get to listen, but we also got to say what needs said. I've always believed that the, the measure of someone is more in, 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 if they're not in the room, what would have happened? That's why we always have to speak up. And, mm. and projects can go sideways when people don't speak up, and that's our job. Uh, we're responsible and we're accountable, and, and that's why, again, we kind of love doing what we do. Wow. Um that's your territory, right? Yeah, right. I love it. I love it. I, we could just sit right in the values area for a long time. Actually, I do have a follow-up. Sure, go if ahead. I, if I may. Um, you had talked earlier about you, you have a lot of different moving parts, right? In different departments, all working together. They all have different skill sets. So how do you get people who have different areas of interest to collaborate and to work together. And I mean, it's one thing to have it as a value, but how do you put it into practice where you get people to really sit and collaborate? I think, you know, I've always been a believer in necessity breeds survival and you have, you have to do this. We, we've been, we're more of a disruptor in this industry and we've always seen it as a, from an opportunistic perspective the collaboration is because people really, really want to do it and it's, it's how they're wired. It's the best way to perform. The different contrast demographically, like most of our organization are, are millennials or below, and there's a few Gen Xers, and even how those different groups with different values communicate to each other is its own nuance and dialect, but we're all wired to want to succeed and put the project success ahead of any individual. So when you take that ethos and you extend it into project partners, be it design manager, construction manager, engineers, financiers, you, you create that same consistent message and everyone buys into it. And it's not perfect. We're not magicians, but generally speaking, our success has been built on that and it continues to continues to build. 
So how do you deal with it then when someone isn't collaborating properly? Like how do you, not properly, but they aren't collaborating? So it's a great question. Uh, we, we've removed and switched out uh, construction managers, contractors, engineers and projects because uh, we, we got involved with them and uh, they weren't the right fit for a variety of reasons and most of them were pre-existing conditions and we that's that's the level that we are held to be accountable and responsible. So if they're not buying into it, they just won't be there. In short, you say, don't let the door hit you or God split you when you leave. <laughs> Goodbye forever. Goodbye forever. We got two blunt businessmen in the room here. <laughs> Goodbye forever and don't let the door hit you in the butt. Uh, we're, we're kind of uh, in the midst of a uh, mayoral like, election, right? And, um, you know, everybody's talking about what, what will happen come October 19th. What do you see as the vision for Calgary, Calgary real estate, whether it's industrial, retail, residential, um, in the near future, in the next four to six years? It's a tough question, man, because you're asking a political question mixed with... I didn't ask you who you vote for. No, 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 I know. (laughs) Well, I I think we've had a very, very challenging uh, political system uh, with council for you know, at least the last four years. And now we've got industry starting to push through. And I think now the private sector is starting to to push through. So regardless of who the council is, I think we've already been through the tough battles in, in the past. We got a lot of uh, going to be brand new faces in, on, on council. I think there's a, you know, there's a favourite there. Uh, it's, I, I read some poll and stuff this morning, actually. And it's it, it looks like someone's got a lead. And then there's another few that are, behind but very very close regardless of who the next mayor is or, or council i do think there's so many smart people in this city and they're they're not going anywhere and we're going to drive it forward that way and council should be facilitating the needs of its constituents and i think that's where we're probably going to go in in that direction and again i go back to my earlier comments i do think our best days are ahead of us regardless of Who's there at the blue box? So that was a political answer to a political <laughs> question. Well, what do you expect? <laughs> He's no dummy. <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, I always like to take it a little bit on the personal side too. And don't worry, not too personal. But I'm curious always how people got into the industries that they're in. So when you were in school, were you thinking, that's what I want to be, project management? Or how did you land here? That's a great question. Uh, I probably wasn't in school as much as I should have been, and I was having more fun with extracurricular activities, so I didn't really have the qualifications to go to college, and I love to work with my hands and and fix cars and stuff, so I was actually a sheet metal worker and a journeyman uh, for for the first four years, and then I got enough credits to go back to university, and I picked a course there, uh, you know, 300 days a year, of uh, horizontal rain in Scotland can get a wee bit of trying at times. <laughs> and uh, for f- whatever reason, I always had my eyes in Canada. I was fortunate enough to get a job offer in Toronto, and that's why I, I came over here. I-, I do like the building industry because you you do make an impact in lives, and it's very real. It's very physical, so you can see it all around you. And and it was never my plan at 17, 18, but that's how I ended up uh, into, into this sphere. So... It's been, it's probably been three or four different chapters to get here, but um, I'm in what I would call the fourth quarter in NFL terms and really happy uh, getting through the first three, but I'm really, really excited about this fourth one. So, hmm. 
Do you have any, I don't know, how are we for time? We're okay. You have, you have the last question. Tara, as usual, you have the last question. <laughs> Just, if you have advice for a young person who's listening or maybe somebody who's ready for a career change, and uh, what would you suggest to them? Let's say, why don't we pick one person, a, a, a young person who maybe in your footsteps is not wanting to go to university or doesn't have the credits to get there and they're a little lost right now. What suggestions do you have to them, have for them to keep moving forward? Follow your heart. In fact, in talking about my, my son Ewan, he's, um, he's interested in search and rescue. He's a big outdoors guy. He's chosen not to go to college this year and he's just finished his advanced adventure medic certificate, five out of 20 past it. And as parents, we've always said, follow your heart, follow your passion. You know, there's many different opportunities. So to any of the young people out there, um, you, you, that's where you have to start and understand it's a journey with multiple chapters. One chapter will lead to another and it'll lead to another and lead to another. But uh, very much be focused on what you want to do. And generally speaking, uh, good money and good opportunities and all those things follow from there. Because when people recognize you're good at things, uh, door, more and more doors open and most people that I'm around kind of followed that path so that's the best advice I could give in a, in a general sense. Love it. Well our Thank guest you. today was Ian McCorkendale director and partner with M3 Development. Thanks Ian for being with us Thanks and for uh, settling for coffee so early in the morning. <laughs> Thank you Ian. Thank you. Pleasure. Calgary Next with Tara McCool and David Wallach is sponsored in part by Canadian Western Bank. Obsessed with your success. It's time to partner with a bank that sees the world the same way you do. Visit cwbank.com.